and welcome to the Remember the Girls podcast. I'm Emma Bliss, president of Remember the Girls and a carrier of X-linked myotubular myopathy, or MTM, a rare neuromuscular disorder. Remember the Girls is a nonprofit organization founded in 2017 with a mission to support and advocate for female carriers of X-linked genetic disorders. Our sole purpose is to provide collaboration, education, and growth to our community and spread awareness of X-linked women patients and their symptoms to the world of medicine and genetics. We do this by sharing our own personal journeys with you, along with many other brave women. Jessica is the mother to a spectacular toddler who has MECP2 duplication syndrome. She learned of her carrier status shortly after her son was diagnosed at 15 months old. Soon after receiving her diagnosis, she found a passion in advocating with the motivation of her son. She advocates not just for him and his diagnosis, but for also for carriers such as herself. Her biggest goal is to bring as much hope as possible to newly diagnosed families in the community. I love that. Jessica, welcome and hello. Um, I will open the space up for you to share your journey here now. Hi, um, sorry for the background noise. Entertaining a uh, three-year-old is, is interesting to say the least. <laughs> um, so my name is Jessica and my son's name is Jackson. And like you had said, he was diagnosed at about 15 months of age. I had a completely normal, you know, healthy standard pregnancy with him. We have no family history of anything genetic. So um, his diagnosis definitely came as a huge surprise to myself and my family. Um, when he was a baby, we did have a lot of kind of, you know, hints and red flags that were really difficult for the medical teams to kind of put together for us. So getting his diagnosis, although devastating, definitely put together a lot of those puzzle pieces and helped us figure things out. But strangely enough, it actually did the same for myself. <laughs> so I had a lot of medical issues going on that doctors couldn't quite pin. Uh, they would say, you have some sort of autoimmune disease, but I can't tell you what it is. And, um, you know, tests were always inconclusive. So in getting my carrier status, it actually explained a lot of the symptoms that I had been having on and um, led to me getting some diagnosed uh, conditions as well. So it's, it's definitely a, a catch and it's a whole different world when you're dealing with a newly diagnosed child, but also you're an adult and being newly diagnosed yourself. So it's definitely two different worlds that both need a lot of attention. And that's why I am really happy to try and help other carriers as well, because you're not only, if you're a parent, you're not only grieving the diagnosis that you're getting of your child, you're also having to sort through a lot of things on your own. And as far as symptoms, what might happen in your future, having more children and reproductive um, concerns and things like that. So it's definitely, a lot to process and so we're just over two years out from getting his diagnosis so we're still kind of new ourselves but it's been a crazy amazing journey we've met a lot of really awesome people along the way and so it's been a, a, a obviously a changing experience but we hope to help you know continue to change others lives like I said along the way and and help 
be as supportive and provide hope as much as we can. Yeah, and so you are a carrier of MECPT duplication syndrome, correct? What are the, some of the symptoms that you experience being a carrier? I mean, it's it's tough because they unfortunately haven't done a ton of research to find you know exactly what is and is not related to be a, being a carrier. But what I've noticed in talking to some other moms is. Um, anxiety, depression, um, like social anxiety, especially can be a big thing. And um, almost, it's almost kind of like autism, like qualities that you might see, like, you know, specific preferences for things, um, trouble with repetitive noises or being overstimulated and things like that. So those kind of just, I mean, symptoms that can be chalked up to pretty much anything. I mean, anybody can have that, but I was having a lot of uh, chronic pain issues and fatigue. Uh, when I was younger, I actually would have some interesting fainting spells that nobody ever seemed to be able to pinpoint. I had a lot of trouble with gaining weight and um, just overall GI issues. And as I got older, the doctors decided, you know, we're just going to kind of say it's fibromyalgia, which is a very big umbrella term for a lot of people, but they couldn't specifically pinpoint what it was that was causing all of my symptoms. Um, so in getting his diagnosis, which includes dysautonomia, that was one of the big ones that they were um, talking about with me. We actually were just at his cardiologist yesterday morning um, discussing that. And he said, have you been to the doctor? And I said, no, <laughs> he said, you need to go back because you have to manage your own symptoms. So. That's definitely, it was a, a wake up for me yesterday that I also have a diagnosis and I also need to be doing all of these special visits like I'm doing with my son and I just haven't, so. Do you consider yourself a carrier or a patient with MECP2 duplication? That's kind of an interesting thought. I, I mean, obviously I consider myself a carrier, I think mainly just from a reproductive standpoint, because that's where my brain's been recently with, you know, when we got Jackson's diagnosis, we were actually two months into trying for another child. And at the time of his diagnosis, I didn't know I was still in that two week wait. I could have been pregnant. Mm -hmm. I ended up not, being, but it was very much, uh, I call it a double-edged sword with, you know, I'm dealing with his diagnosis, but also we were so excited about having more kids. Well, now what do we do? Where do we go from here? So my brain sometimes has really been, you know, how can we safely have more children without passing this on again? And so I definitely consider myself a carrier, but after, especially after going to Jackson's appointment tomorrow morning, it was a very good reminder that I am also a patient. I also need to take care of myself and my own health. So that's something that I'm going to have to work on. Yeah, um, family planning is big for our excellent community. It's it's yeah. a controversial topic, um, but we, we do love to share that there's always hope. Um, there's so many options out there for us now that there's always, if you wanna build your family, there are always ways to do it. You just have to be strategic about it, more strategic than you would otherwise. Yeah, and I think that was actually one of the big things with getting his diagnosis. Strangely enough, his neurologist that diagnosed him was going through IVF at the time because his wife was a carrier of a different type of condition. And he had said, just you know, out of nowhere, and I'm processing this in my brain, he said, 
don't let anybody tell you that you can't have more children because of this. And I, I needed to hear that so badly. And I didn't even know. <laughs> yeah, I love that he said that. That's great. Sometimes it's hard to hear from the medical community um, because they can be so black and white. But I yeah. do believe there is always hope in that category. Yeah. Um, okay. So I have a few questions for you as well. Um, in just a few simple words, what does being a carrier of MECP2 duplication syndrome mean to you? Um, it's, I think for me, it's become a sense of responsibility. Um, it's definitely a big source of knowledge for me and I think, like I said, I'm still, I'm still in carrier mode and, and, you know, want to make more babies mode. And so for me, it's the, you know, they're, sorry, my son wants penguin to be in this apparently. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> um, for me, it's, we had no family history. It's very likely that this started with me. And so in that sense, it's going to end with me as well, too. So it's a big sense of responsibility. I have this very big, you know, source of knowledge and I'm going to use that and, and go forward and, and making sure that this, you know, fizzles out in our family here. So, yeah. So it was a de novo gene change in you. They were, it was determined. That's what we think. Unfortunately, my mom passed away in 2012, so we can't test her. Um, but my mom does come from a very large family. She was one of three daughters, and um, there was three boys that my grandma had, and none of them are affected. And my grandma has, I think we're, I think I'm one of close to 50 grandkids, and they had kids, and it's just me. Um, wow. So <laughs> okay, yeah, then that's... <laughs> It seems very unlikely. Yes. Okay. So what is something you wish more people knew of about carriers of, uh, I would say all MECP2 associated disorders. What is something you wish more people knew about uh, women carriers and patients? I think just if you do have a family history, just, you know, going through the carrier testing is so huge. Um, a lot of people, like you said, it is kind of controversial because you can take the risk and have more kids and maybe they'll be effective, maybe they won't. But for me, one of the main reasons why we're being so cautious with family planning is I don't want to have another carrier like myself. I know what it feels like to have this, you know, burden in a sense, and I don't want to put this on, you know, to a daughter of mine and have her have to go through what I'm going through. So it's definitely something to to consider and think about, um, you know, if you do have a daughter who's a carrier like yourself, making sure that you're as supportive of you know, whatever her decisions are too, and making sure that she stays educated on what her choices are going forward. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, we forget there is a huge mental health aspect of being a carrier and feelings yeah. that are associated with being a carrier. So that's a really great point. Um, not to get off track, but I have a daughter who has a 50% chance of being a carrier and we don't know at this time, but I think about that all the time. And I mean, my hope would be that in 30 years when she's ready to have children, there'll be so many more options, but you're right. It is a burden. It is. Yeah. That's a great point to bring up as well. Yeah. Um, have you been involved in any research efforts for carriers of MECP2 duplication syndrome? 
Um, I know that it's a very, very small community. Um, do you yeah. have any information on the numbers either as uh, of how many are out there? Yeah, I don't think I've necessarily been involved in anything specifically because I am a carrier. I know I've signed up for at least one registry just so, you know, if they needed me, hey, I'm here. But um, I mean, my son has been a part of a couple different studies and they kind of, you know, part of it is where they do ask, you know, are you a known carrier? Do you have any family history of it? And so that's really been, I think, for the most part, the extent the most I've done, we recently had blood work drawn from both myself and Jackson, and they're going to go to a, a lab where they're going to kind of, you know, dissect the, the little bits and pieces of this duplication. So I think that's probably the most involved I've gotten in so far. So, yeah, I know, again, that you're the community is really small. I, I keep reading conflicting information about how many have been diagnosed with the conditions that are associated with the MECP2 gene, but I know it, it is very small. Um, okay, so what challenges do you think our future will hold as carriers and what do you hope for the future of MECP2 duplication carriers? I think the future is, I'm hoping that we get more, um, screenings available. So for example, with his pregnancy, if I would have had any um, any sort of like prenatal screening done while I was pregnant, they wouldn't have picked this up. It's too rare. It's They just wouldn't have known to look for it unless I asked them to. And my hope is that eventually, you know, this condition is very much underdiagnosed, I think. Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping that eventually it gets, it can maybe start to be included in things, especially, you know, with, with, with Rett syndrome being associated with this as well, too. I would hope that eventually in the future that newborn screenings can maybe either include this or even just, you know, general prenatal, you know, screenings that they do could find something like this. And I think because getting the diagnosis as soon as possible is obviously beneficial to the family as a whole. And in the future, I really do hope that they start doing some more research on carrier parents because I want, I don't know what, you know, my future might entail. I do know that I have, I, I was kind of explaining to my husband last night, it's almost like I have muted symptoms of this condition. So like, you know, it's, it's very subtle, obviously compared to his, because I do have the inactive X, but I don't know, you know, what the future looks like for carriers. Are there things I need to be more aware of or concerned of? So I would hope that maybe research would kind of pick up on stuff like that at some point. Yeah, that would be amazing. I think we are doing more as a, as a whole. Genetics is growing so fast that I think carrier mm -hmm. testing, especially for X-linked conditions, yeah. is important. I think it's so mm -hmm. important. Um, you touched upon briefly Rett syndrome. So just as a general outline, Rett syndrome is a deletion of the MECP2 gene, whereas MEC2 dupl uh, duplication is a duplication of the gene. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So and the easiest way that we kind of, when people, obviously not many people have heard of this condition, will say, have you heard of Rett syndrome? And they say, yes. Like, okay, so that's an underproduction. He has an overproduction of okay. that. So it's not, it's not a, it's when you say under and overproduction, 
what does that mean specifically? Do you know? Everyone has this um, gene and this protein, which actually controls a lot of different things in our body. I'm sure Amelia will have some really good information on that later this month. But it's it's such a teeny tiny spot in our chromosome, but it controls and is responsible for so so much. So having too little of it or having too much of it just really wreaks havoc, no matter which way you go. Um, yeah. And then you also mentioned uh, a triplication. Is that like more than an overproduction? Yeah. So basically, triplications I think are more common in females because they have both of their if both of their X chromosomes are active and they have the duplication. There's a possibility that they have three copies of that MECP2 gene, and that produces an overabundance of that protein, and they tend to be very severely affected. Wow. Okay. Um, okay. So if you could go back to before you knew you were a carrier, what would you tell yourself? Uh, um, I think it's tough because if I went back to like before I had him, like if I knew I was a carrier before I had him, then I wouldn't have him. And obviously that's a catch because I don't want you know, him to, to struggle because of something I passed on to him, but he's just such an amazing kid that I wouldn't change him for anything. Um, but I think if I could go back, it would, you know, just even to tell myself like one day you're going to figure out all of these pieces and everything's going to really make sense. You know, especially like if I can go back to when he was a baby and I had so many people telling me, you know, oh, it must be something you're doing wrong because mine didn't struggle in those ways. You know, I didn't have those issues with my baby. So it must be you, you know, if I could go back and say like, you are not crazy. Everything you were saying was very valid. You know, I'm sorry people couldn't see that, but you know, there was nothing wrong with you. You didn't do anything wrong. You were parenting him the exact way that he needed that whole time without even knowing it. So yeah, I can relate to that. I think that to some extent, your mother's intuition kicked in. You knew exactly what your son needed. Um, I can completely relate to the what you said about um, go back what would happen with the conception of your son because I had a son with a condition as well, with a condition as well, and um, I think about that all the time. So. Um, okay, so to end this conversation, I would love for you to give me your one word. When you think of Remember the Girls and the Future for Women Carriers of Excellent Disorders, what is the first word that comes to mind? So it was tough to really pick one word, but I think the best one I can think of is tribe. I love that. That's great. I've, you know, always had trouble fitting in just, you know, throughout my life. I've always kind of been that really awkward, you know, girl in school and, you know, too quiet or shy or just, you know, I just, I never found like my place where like, you know, I fit in. And so, you know, once you find your tribe, you're like, this is it. This is what I've been looking for. And, you know, people who can relate and, you know, help empower each other or just be there when you've, you know, fallen down the hole and you need somebody just to sit with you for a second. So that's, I think the best thing I could think of. I love that. Yes. I feel the same thing. It's a sense of like feeling like your home, like your tribe. I love that word. Thank you.